Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. It's 14 October 2018. It's Sunday. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And let's see here. We have today a bandana on from Donna, Chuck, Joanne, Brenda, Rich, Gloria, Michael, Diane, Louie, Jim, and Leanna, and Kenny, all from Pal Talk. They watch Prophecy Update every Sunday night, and they talk about it. Uh, I guess they watch it streaming or, or uh, YouTube, and then they communicate with each other. So uh, they, they sent me this bandana with a cross on the front of it, and I very much appreciate that. And so thank you all. I won't repeat those names again, but thank each one of you individually. And let's see here. Does anybody know what yesterday was? The 13th of October, does anybody know what that signifies? Not one of you, because somebody emailed me and this person knew. Yesterday, the 13th of October, it was our fifth anniversary in this building. After moving off of the beach and getting this building, we've been here now for five years. So not one of you remembered that, but that's okay because somebody online did. And um, I will take a moment now because it is our fifth anniversary and because in all honesty, I didn't know if we'd be here two months. I mean, I had no idea. We came off the beach and uh, uh, we decided to move into a building and see what would happen. And since then, I just, I want to thank every single person that has been a part of this ministry, that has helped out this ministry. People have helped it from different countries. They've helped it uh, from all over the, uh, uh, the nation. And people have just, uh, we've been able to continue. And I'm surprised because with a church of about 20-some people, we've been able to expand all the way around the world. And so my heart is very thankful to everybody that has helped this ministry, especially this past summer. You know, summers get slow and uh, uh, people find new churches to attend. They uh, don't help anymore, etc. And it's I'm very thankful for the people that help out this ministry. So please understand that. Please know that it means a great deal to me. I went from five part-time jobs down to four, and I'm trying to get rid of one of them. But, uh, I, you know, it's, it's what we do in life to uh, keep going, and I'm just so grateful. That's all I can say. I'm just so grateful. And in particular, just because there's somebody, there's a couple people that have really done um, things for this ministry that have been above and beyond. One of them I can't give his name. He uh, takes care of the website. He built it for us without ever asking any help. He um, uh, does daily, my uh, daily devotionals. He reads every one of them, the poor guy, and he catches all my errors in advance. He used to do it after I posted it, but now he does it in advance. And uh, so he helps me because, you know, when you type an error, you can't read it. You just read right over it because your brain is thinking, you know, if you say the twice or something, you just read right over it and you just say it once. And then you look like an illiterate because you've said something. <laughs> anyway, so he does that. He's done so much for this ministry. He gets the podcast up every single time. As soon as the Prophecy Update is done, it's up in two minutes. And then as soon as the, and this guy is, I, I can say he's up in New Jersey. I haven't given his name or any details, but he's done so much. And then the second person is uh, a person that lives in Ireland, and he has every single week faithfully painted a painting for the sermons for uh, YouTube and uh, for the website as like a, a, an icon or a, you know, a thumbnail so that people know what it is. And he has gone out of his way to do this. Being sick, he has vertigo, he has uh, problems at times where he, his head hurts so bad that he says, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it tomorrow, and he gets it done. So Doug over in Sligo, uh, Ireland, I want to thank him very much. And then, of course, the third person is in Israel, and he has done an amazing job with this ministry. He's built the camera system. He does all of the streaming services. He does. He's always here online with us whether it's the Thursday night Bible study, the Sunday morning church. He's always here, even if he's traveling. If he's at a wedding in Italy or if he's wherever, he is always taking care of this church when it is open. That's Sergio. And in the past week, Sergio, without telling me, and he's probably going to be angry that I say this on the Prophecy Update, but he hurt himself very badly. And he has been totally unable to move all week and in great, great pain. And he didn't tell me. And I told him, you know, a son does not do that to his second father because he's like a son to me. And I said, I'm really upset at you right now. And uh, he uh, got better two days ago, just enough where he could do a Sergio and wrote a video. 
and then he went out and tried to lift something and he hurt himself again and he is now back in bed in pain. So I would ask that everybody would pray for him as he goes through his troubles and trials as, that he's facing. But I want to thank those three in particular, but everybody, everybody that has helped this ministry. I cannot believe the support that has kept us going. I just can't believe it. So thank you. And our first category, as always, is Israel. From JTA, this happened a week and a half ago, but there was too much last week, so I just thought I'd give you the title. Swedish far-right party submits motion to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Now imagine that in Sweden, where they've imported almost 90% of the Islamic population of the world, and they're almost completely overrun the far-right party, as they call them. They're probably just right down the center, but they think that they should be supporting Israel. From the Times of Israel in Jerusalem, this was when uh, Merkel was in Jerusalem with Netanyahu. Merkel says the Palestinians must accept Israel as a Jewish state. That's one of the things that she agrees with. There will be no deal unless they recognize the Jewish state of Jerusalem. We are not close to that happening, folks. We're not there. And so um, that's one of those things that she understood that. The rest of the world will understand that until they are willing to make that declaration. There's not going to be a peace treaty, so we've got a ways to go with that. Chancellor Merkel underlined her recognition of Israel as a Jewish state, indicating that she supports Prime Minister Netanyahu's view that the Palestinians too, should accept this definition in an eventual agreement. Must happen or it's not going to happen. From the I-24, two Israelis killed. This happened earlier in the week. Uh, one of them was a lady, and apparently they actually uh, handcuffed her together and then stabbed her to death. So um, this was a very brutal act. Two Israelis killed, one injured in West Bank shooting terror attack. And the Times of Israel, Hamas Islamic Jihad praised deadly, it was a shooting, praised deadly shooting in northern West Bank. Now, here they're supposed to be working out a peace deal with these people, and they're praising what happened. They executed these people. Hamas calls attack heroic and a natural response to Israeli's occupation crimes. Islamic Jihad calls on proud people in the West Bank, Jerusalem, to rise up. I said stab. I should have said uh, shoot, but anyway, there you go with that. Um, from Aretz Shiva. Interesting, happened last week. It's very interesting. Ancient inscriptions from Second Temple period discovered. If you watch Prophecy Sites, you already know about this, but if you haven't seen it, it's very interesting. It's a stone inscription from the first century BC. They say there was no presence of Jews in Israel. There's no history there. The stones keep bringing this out again and again and again. This is from the first century BC, which marks Jerusalem's name in Hebrew letters and full spelling as it is written today. This is the language of the exposed inscription, Hanania bar Dudalus from Jerusalem. That's what it says in Hebrew. The Jerusalem archaeologist at the Antiquities Authority said that the inscriptions from the first and second temples that mention the name Yerushalem, Yerushalayim, are very rare. They said it is rare to find the name Jerusalem in full script as is customary today. In fact, this is the only stone inscription from the Second Temple period recognized in studies, which mentions the name Jerusalem in full spelling, meaning Yerushalayim, the way they pronounce it today. The scarcity of the name in the full spelling is also evident from the Bible, where the city appears 660 times and in only five cases. Relatively later is the spelling full. So there you go. This is a real remarkable find that they had, once again confirming the Bible. It's confirming that the Jews were there, that they possessed that land. They were exiled for their own disobedience, granted, but now they are back in the land according to the Lord's plan. Great stuff. Why they wouldn't? Well, it's just that, how did they pronounce it? They'd say, it would be like, um, think of a name of a place where people will spell it one way or another. Or, you know, maybe I say Oregon, you say Oregon, you say tomato, I say tomato. It's a, a different rendering. But why they actually added in that im, the Yerushalayim, instead of the Yerushalayim, I don't know. But there you go. From the Daily Star, biblical end of days prophecy comes true. Some of you are going to laugh when I read this because of what we just watched 20 minutes ago as fish swim again in the Dead Sea. Ezekiel is a key figure in the Bible and in his end of days prophecy, 
he foresees the Dead Sea flourishing into life. If you want to read that, go to Ezekiel chapter 47. It's very clear what's going to happen. The Dead Sea becomes fresh again. There are fish that are found in the Great Sea. They're living in this uh, body of water, and the end of the Dead Sea will remain salt marshes. This is what it says, and this is all making a picture of what God is doing in the world through redemptive history, which I'll explain in a minute, unless I forget. But we'll go on. Flourishing into life, something that is considered to be impossible due to its high salt content. Now, I want you to know this is from the Daily Star, and they cited Breaking Israel News. So, it is not true that the fish are in the Dead Sea. Okay, nothing can live in the Dead Sea. But they are in the area of the Dead Sea where the Dead Sea was. If you will watch the Rhoda and Sergio video that is linked at the end of this prophecy update, I'll have it in the comments section and linked as an icon that you can click on, you will understand exactly what's going on. And it's just fortuitous that he happened to do that particular update today because this was a part of my update. I actually changed the name of the update and everything just because what he did so perfectly matches. It will explain to you how the fish got there, where they are, and everything about what is going on. But it is perfectly mirroring what it says in Ezekiel 47. The Bible 2,700 years ago is being vindicated right before our eyes. This is what's astonishing. Once again, they take things a little too far at breaking Israel news, but they did get the fact that there are fish down there in the Dead Sea area. They are not in the Dead Sea, so make sure you get that right. Um, it says, Israeli photojournalist Noam Bedin has reported sightings of marine life in small sinkholes, which is what we're, it's called um, Enot Zukim was the name of the place, which means the eyes of Zukim or the wells of Zukim. That's what is being seen in this uh, article right here. Okay, so he had reported sightings of marine life in small sinkholes around the Dead Sea. They're actually not sinkholes at all. They're actually an oasis. It's beautiful. If you want to see what's going on in Israel, they had exclusive access to go to a place. They were taken through the restricted areas, and they will show you wonderful things. So please watch that. Um, so they saw them around these sinkholes around the Dead Sea as well as vegetation growing, and there's a lot of it there. Photos released by the Dead Sea Revival Project show tiny fish swimming in water that is reportedly from the highly selenated body of water, which it's not. Once again, watch the video and you'll understand. It is also reportedly evidence of a biblical miracle coming true. I will agree with that. The Bible said this would happen. The miracle isn't in that it's happening. It's that the Bible said it would happen, and now it is happening according to what the Bible said. Okay, The Lord is making the land productive once again. And uh, let's see here. The Bible states that after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, the land was turned into a barren wasteland, the same area the Dead Sea is now. But it was prophesied that life would once again return to the land with fish in abundance in the water. That is coming soon to a time near you. We're not there yet. A place that was once cursed in biblical times. Now you can come here to the Dead Sea, explore the sinkholes, and see fish where the water has receded, fulfilling prophecies from Ezekiel, who talked about the land flourishing and blooming when the Jews return. It's exactly the way the Bible says it. That is what is happening. Watch Sergio Rota's video, and you'll see this land as it is. He continued, the curse is over. And this place and its minerals are now bringing life to the people around the world. I would disagree that the curse is over. It's not over until Christ returns. They are still under a curse because they have not come to Christ. But I will say this, that if you look at what was in the Garden of Eden, you had the, the headwaters and it went out into four rivers that went out. There was no curse at that time, right? And then all of a sudden we have uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and the Lord destroys the land, and it becomes salt. It becomes the lowest place on earth. And so you have, if you've ever read that old um, thing that that lady wrote, you've got the the um, Sea of Galilee is alive. There's fish in it. The Jordan goes down into the Dead Sea. It receives everything. It gives nothing out, and it's a picture of people. You know, as long as we hold things in and as long as we don't share with people, then we would be like the Dead Sea. But when you give, you become alive, just like, uh, you know, so it's kind of a poetic thing, and it's a good picture of that. But the uh, area being dead down there is a picture of life without Christ, okay? You've got the life up here. The Jordan is a picture in the Bible of Christ. Yardan or Jordan means descender. It's the time of Christ's coming, okay? And then the curse remains for 2,000 years. They haven't called on Christ. There's the death down there in the Dead Sea. But in Ezekiel's temple, what do you have? You've got fresh water down there. It's a picture of the world, the knowledge of the Lord covering the uh, earth as the waters cover the sea. There's now life down there. But as I said, the marshes remain salt. 
Okay, there's still death on the earth. That's the tribulation, I'm sorry, the millennial reign of Christ. People will still die. But eventually that will be completely changed and you'll have the water of life and it'll go all the way down and there will be no curse. There will be no salt marsh. There will only be the water of life forever. So it's a picture of what God is doing, bringing the world back from the point it was through the ages of redemptive history back to restoration where there's only life and no curse. Read the last page of the Bible. Wonderful stuff. We'll go on. Let's see here. Oh, and speaking of swimming, we got fish swimming down there. Newsweek, Iran Gen- General says Israel could never win, so the prime minister should practice swimming instead. Yeah. One of Iran's most senior military leaders threatened to force Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu into the sea amid escalating tensions between their two countries. We've ran across this guy before, Brigadier General Hossein Salami Baloney, second in command of Iran's Revolutionary Guards, told a gathering of the elite forces in the central city of Isfahan that the U.S. and Israel's ambitions in the Middle East had failed. Salami Baloney said that the forces of Hezbollah believed to command up to 150,000 rockets and missiles would be sufficient to defeat Israel should a conflict break out. We'll find out that that's not true when somebody comes against them. Hezbollah and Israel have fought two previous wars, both of which ended in ceasefires and Israeli withdrawals. But Salami Baloney said Iran and its allies would go further. The Zionist regime does not have any true elements of a state and government, and it is not at the level to present a threat to us. Hezbollah is enough to defeat it. I tell the prime minister of the Zionist regime that he should practice swimming in the Mediterranean because soon there will be no way to escape but the sea. He's delusional, but there you go. That's, that's our uh, Israel news today. On to Christian news. Last week I said that I was talking about um, obedience to the state. I woke up in the middle of the night and I said, oh, I said the wrong chapter. I said uh, Romans 16, it's Romans 13. You know, you just, you just say things off the top of your head. I wanted to correct that. From the, if you made a note on your Prophecy Update notes that it's Romans 16, it's not. It's Romans 13, obedience to the state. And that was in reference to the Chinese that said they would remain obedient to the state, but they would remain disobedient when God's law was higher. They would be uh, honor God's law first. That was the thing that I was citing. From the LA Times, California church inspired by Lady Liberty envisions a pro-illegal alien statue of Mary. They want a statue of Mary at their church. Yes, she will stand tall with a torch held high on a hilltop in San Istro overlooking the U.S.-Mexico border. The 40-foot-tall monument of Mary, the mother of Jesus, will stand as a symbol intended to welcome immigrants and refugees headed to the United States. The statue will go on the hilltop parking lot of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church. It's a Catholic church where community members convene to kick off a crowdfunding campaign to raise $1 million to build it. It will stand as a beacon of hope and encouragement for people engaged in the struggle of the migrant. The $2 million project, so it's $2 million, they have a million. Imagine what they could do with that money. Instead of, you know, doing something illegal, promoting people <laughs> doing something illegal, they could actually help people, right? But, you know, it's all show with these people. Um, let's see here. The $2 million project spearheaded by nonprofit San Diego Organizing Project already has received $1 million from the California Endowment, a private health foundation. The hope is to raise the next $1 million and build the statue by early 2019. It will be named Welcome Stranger. It is a symbol and powerful reminder that for us as a people of faith, for us as America, the border represents not a line of separation, but a line that unites us to Latin America. As ideas were generated, Mary emerged as a symbol of hope. Community members noted that she fled with her family to Egypt as a refugee's son after the birth of Jesus. So they're using that as an example. Well, what did Mary do? She went back to her homeland, right? So we let them come up to the border and say, okay, you're here now, go back to your homeland, just like Mary did. The torch, she said, represents hope for a brighter future. All right, from Reuters. The dope blames the devil for Catholic church divisions, scandals, and he seeks angels' help. The devil is alive and well and working overtime to undermine the RCC, dope Francis said. Well, that would be working against himself. In fact, the dope is so convinced that Satan is to blame for the sexual abuse crisis and deep divisions racking the church 
that he has asked Catholics around the world to recite a special prayer every day in October to try to beat him back. The church must be saved from the attacks of the malign one, the great accuser, and at the same time be made more aware of its guilt, its mistakes, and abuses committed in the present and the past. Well, I'd agree with that last part there. Since he was elected, Francis has made clear that he believes the devil to be real. In a document in, you know, a couple weeks ago, I didn't report that, but he said, I'm the devil. So, you know, he's real. Anyway, so uh, he said he uh, thought the devil to be real. Okay, Francis mentioned the devil more than a dozen times. We should not think that the devil is a myth, a representation, a symbol, a figure of speech, or an idea. The mistake would lead us to let down our guard, to grow careless and end up more vulnerable, he wrote in the document. The church has recently been hit by one sexual abuse scandal after another, from Germany to the United States to Chile. At the same time, a deepening polarization between conservatives and liberals in the church has played out on social media. Francis' use of the term great accuser to describe Satan hit a raw nerve with one of the dope's harshest conservative critics, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, the Vatican's former ambassador to Washington. In an 11-page statement, Vigano launched an unprecedented broadside by a church insider against the dope and a long list of Vatican and U.S. church officials. He accused Francis of knowing about sexual misconduct by a former U.S. cardinal with male adult seminarians but not doing anything about it. And we know that's true. There's no doubt about it. We reported on that already from Mail Online. I'm almost, you know, all week long I've struggled whether I should even put this in the update because it's so vulgar. But deaf and mute children, this is deaf and mute children, were taught special secret signs for sex acts by pedophile priests in Verona who would then force them to carry them out, says alleged former victim. He described how he was unable to communicate what was happening to others, even via sign language, because the signs were invented by the priests. 67 boys are named in documents Verona. Prosecutor said they will bring to trial. They couldn't tell what was going on because these people did these secret signs, knowing that they wouldn't be able to explain. And so they were just able to abuse these poor children. Catholic Church, mother of harlots. Zero hedge. Oh, you all know this. I don't even need to report it. Uh, Pastor Brunson uh, convicted but released on time served. Right. Went right from Turkey right to the White House and prayed with our president. Good job, President Trump. I went to uh, CNN to see if they had mentioned that this morning with uh, Jay and Joan here. And their top story was about um, uh, Saturday Night Live making a, uh, you know, a parody on Trump and th that guy Kanye West, right? That was their top headline. They never mentioned Brunson at all. Not once. So there you go. From Islam Today. From the Times of Israel, report angry Abbas to cut financial aid for Gaza. There's a real tiff going on between Fatah and Hamas right now. Fakistinian Authority Chairman Abbas is planning on cutting financial aid for Gaza due to anger over Qatar, their willingness to support the Hamas-run coastal enclave. The Fakistinian Authority is planning on cutting some $96 million, which Gaza receives from it every month, risking a worsening of the already dire situation in Gaza. Senior defense officials said that Abbas was especially frustrated with the UN Special Coordinator for the Middle East Peace, who facilitated a deal that will see Qatar financing the purchase of fuel for Gaza's power plant. The Lebanese Al-Akbar newspaper reported that Qatar has begun sending funds to Gaza via Israel while circumventing the Fakistinian Authority. The funds are intended to be used to pay six months of electricity for Gaza, as well as to pay the salaries of Hamas terrorists in Gaza for the next three months. So Qatar is now funding the terrorists that the U.S. wasn't funding. From Israel Hayom, accusing Abbas of derailing Gaza talks, Egypt, who's been trying to mediate between Fatah and Hamas, may end mediation. So they're actually blaming Fatah. Amid mounting tensions between Israel and Hamas along the Gaza border, Egyptian intelligence officials are considering withdrawing from the delicate diplomatic efforts to restore calm to the Gaza Strip and to mediate the inter-Fakistinian reconciliation. A senior Egyptian defense official said this was the reason for Hamas's decision to intensify its weekly riots along the border with Israel. Israel is the one that's getting all of the, the blowback from this, but it's actually being in, 
instigated by Fatah, by Abbas. So Israel is stuck in the middle of this once again, getting all the blame from the rest of the world, when in fact, Egypt has acknowledged that it has nothing to do with Israel. All right? It says, um, if Egypt ceases its involvement in the talks, a military confrontation will very likely erupt in Gaza. Hamas will direct the pressure at Israel. He added that Israel and Egypt have been coordinating their recent diplomatic steps. The official also said that the plan formulated by the Egyptians was supposed to consist of several phases, the first of which was a ceasefire and reduce tensions between Israel and Hamas along the Gaza border. That's not happening from the Times of Israel. Netanyahu, this was, I believe, Monday, maybe Tuesday, Netanyahu said to tell cabinet Israel preparing for Gaza offensive. They may have to go in if this does not stabilize. Prime Minister Netanyahu warned ministers that Israel is preparing for the possibility of a military campaign in the Gaza Strip should the humanitarian conditions in the territory cause border clashes to spiral out of control. Once again, they are the ones being drawn into this. Netanyahu spoke of the Palestinian authorities' attempt to choke Gaza during the weekly cabinet meeting and said, if the reality of civil distress in Gaza is diminished, that is desirable. But that is not certain to happen, and so we are preparing militarily. That is not an empty statement, he says. From the Washington Examiner, John Bolton says, Fakistan is not a state. Uh, just to give you a little background, they were having one of those um, you know, briefings where the guy stands up and the reporters ask a bunch of questions, and one of them just kept badgering him. Don't you think it's unproductive saying it's not a state? Don't you think it's unproductive? And he, was so, he was so eloquent. You know, he's just like, obviously, it's not a state. So here you go. Bolton, speaking to reporters in the White House briefing room, said that denying Fakistan statehood isn't counterproductive as the Trump admin prepares to unveil a Mideast peace plan. <coughs> Calling it the so-called state of Fakistan defines exactly what it has been, a position that the U.S. government has pursued uniformly since 1988 when the Fakistanian authority declared itself to be the state of Fakistan. He said, we don't recognize it as the state of Palestine. We have consistently across Democrat and Republican administrations opposed the admission of Fakistan to the UN as a state because it is not a state. There you go. But these reporters are just trying to badger the new administration when they never brought this up for eight years under the old one. Times of Israel. U.S. pulling out of part of Vienna Treaty to stymie Fakistanian legal action. I don't know if you heard about this, but this is great because it affects other things. U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton says Washington is withdrawing from an amendment to the Vienna Convention in order to keep the Fakistanians from suing them in The Hague. The decision is in connection with a case brought by the so-called State of Fakistan, naming the U.S. as a defendant challenging the move of our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. He says that the U.S. will remain party to the underlying Vienna Treaty. Here's the important part of this article. They're doing this to, so we don't get sued by the fakes, but here's the important part. He also says the U.S. will review all international agreements that could still expose the U.S. to ICJ resolutions. We are going to go through everything with a comb, and we're going to pull out all of these things where the International Court of Justice can come and say, well, you, we're arresting your soldiers, or we're going to do this or that, or one thing or another to you. They will have no authority over us at all when our president is done with this deal. Good job. The U.S. will not sit idly by as baseless politicized claims are brought against us, he said. Note politicized claims. It's all because of our president being in office, and they don't like that. From Mongolia, Xinhua. The U.S. dollar continues to strengthen against Mongolia currency. The U.S. dollar has been maintaining its strength against Mongolia's national currency. Anybody here remember what it's called? Five dollars, if you can remember. I'll give you 1,000 tugruks, if you can remember. Okay, it's probably about that. It's, it's a tugruk. Anyway, okay, it's a very high exchange rate. Yeah, you want the, she doesn't want the Tugruk. She wants the bucks. The Bank of Mongolia set the rate to 2,567 Tugruks per dollar. Oh my gosh, that would be over 10,000. That'd be like 14,000 Tugruks for one buck. Wow. The U.S. dollar exchange rate against the Tugruk has reached a historical high in the past few days, with the exchange rate standing at more than 2,550. This rise of the U.S. dollar exchange rate is directly related to a 40% increase in imports in the first three quarters of this year compared to the same period last year. 
The Bank of Mongolia has the obligation to manage foreign currency reserves. The central bank has supplied about 500 million U.S. dollars to the private banks since June. The foreign exchange reserves in Mongolia decreased to $2.9 billion at the end of last week from $3.26 billion in May, which marked the highest since June 2013. We'll see where that goes. From uh, Daniel 12 Technology today. From the Jerusalem Post. I reported on this when they were developing it. It's developed. Israel develops a bomb-detecting robot to save soldiers' lives. Israel, this is a whole car. It's not just a little thing. It's, it's big, okay? Israel Aerospace Industries has completed the development of an autonomous system that can identify, locate, and destroy IEDs and mines before troops reach them. The system is installed on a robotic platform made by IAI and integrates a combination of multiple sensors that detect IEDs, which may be hidden in complex areas. The robotic engineering scout can be maneuvered autonomously without danger to troops and can detect, engage, and remove the IEDs by using a blade installed on the vehicle. The robotic system enables faster, more efficient execution of missions without risks to human life. It combines a number of different detection devices capable of finding explosives on and under surfaces and the engineering capabilities for neutralizing them. The system can be operated in any terrain and has a precision system that generates a real image of the area for its operator. Good stuff. Saving lives, one IED at a time. From Mail Online, kind of a sad day. It's already happened once. It's going to happen a second time. It's a neat day, but it's kind of a sad day. You know, I get emotional over things like this. Godspeed. NASA's Voyager 2. Probe is nearing interstellar space, 11 billion miles from Earth. It's about to exit the galaxy. It'll be the second man-made thing to do so, all right? NASA launched the Voyager 1 spacecraft on September 5th of 1977. And the Voyager 2 on August 20th, 1977. They have set several records, including Voyager 1 being the only craft to fly by all four outer planets. Voyager 2 is a little less than 11 billion miles from Earth. Once it exits heliosphere, it will be the second human man-made object after Voyager 1 to enter interstellar space. Very interesting. If you remember, I mentioned this before. Uh, they used Voyager, or as they called it in the Star Trek episode, V'ger. They actually found this thing that was floating around in space, and it was an entire like planet with all of this information, and it was giant, and it, they could fly into it with the, the Enterprise. And what happened is this little Voyager went out, and it uh, got mixed with another Martian uh, thing, and it became... This is to explore, right? The other one was to gain knowledge, and they came together, and so they explored and gained knowledge until it became this giant thing. And uh, what was it called? The um, uh, Star Trek, uh, the space, the final. Uh, uh, these are the uh, voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Uh, anyway, I, I, it's in the title, but anyway, it's where finally this thing merges with a human being, and they become one. And so it was. It was kind of an interesting concept, but maybe that'll happen with this. Probably not. Anyway. I'll remember it here in the middle of uh, the sermon today, what, the name of this uh, Star Trek episode, but it was a good one. Anyway, Revelation Plagues today, CNN. Health officials very worried as African swine fever spreads in Europe and Asia. Global health officials are preparing for African swine fever, which has been spreading in pigs across borders since 2014, reaching Western Europe last week. Humans are suspected to have caused the recent spread to Belgium, where eight cases were confirmed. The most recent cases, however, were reported in a Chinese slaughterhouse in Hohot, the capital of Inner Mongolia. There have been 29 outbreaks in China since the first case was reported August 3rd. China has culled nearly 40,000 pigs in response, according to the organization's database. The virus reached China this summer and arrived in Western Europe for the first time in September in a separate simultaneous outbreak, leaving officials worried. Belgium has called 4,000 domestic pigs, cutting plants and wholesalers for pork. 13 countries have banned some pork, uh, some sort of pork imports from Belgium, Taiwan, South Korea, Serbia, Singapore, China, Belarus, Australia, Japan, Philippines, Mexico, Uruguay, Malaysia, and India. Globally, more than 361,000 infected wild boars, and here's where the problem is, the wild boars carry it along, <coughs> you know, and domestic pigs have been reported to the organization. 
with more than 119,000 deaths in 2018. Financial consequences of an outbreak are substantial. Once the virus has been detected on a pig farm, the entire population must be culled. Pork exports make up 8.5% of the European Union's total agricultural industry and 62% of the bloc's total meat exports. That's a big loss if that gets there and takes over. Miami Herald, Florida confirms toxic red tide spreading along the Atlantic coast. Yeah, so it's not just us, it's they've got it over there. And we're kind of free here lately. I haven't smelled it in a couple weeks. Thank goodness. From Morality Today, from Reuters. This came out, and then I'll give you another one which shows the results. On 10-7, Romanians vote on constitutional ban on same-sex marriage. Reuters again. This is this past week. Romanian constitutional ban on same-sex marriage fails due to low vote turnout. Once again, if you are a Christian and you are responsible, you will do what is right and you will go out and you will exercise your vote. People that don't do that are only harming the cause that they say that they support, okay? You get the, as you would call, narcissistic, pietistic Christians that say, I'm too good to vote. Well, you know what? The Bible never, never speaks of that, ever. The book of Romans tells us to do our civic duty, and one of those civic duties in the United States of America is to vote, right? Okay, zero hedge. United Kingdom University bans clapping at performances to avoid triggering students with anxiety. Yes, yeah. In an attempt to make I, everybody, I, I want you to no longer applaud in the superior word after a great sermon. I want you to just do this, okay? That's it. Okay, in an attempt to make public performances more inclusive for people with disabilities like anxiety and other sensory issues, the University of Manchester Students Union has voted to ban applause at student union events and is asking students to use the jazz hands instead. The decision was made to keep the University of Manchester compliant with a 2015 vote in the United Kingdom's National Union of Studeboot. Students also noted that loud noises like whooping or traditional applause can create problems for students with anxiety. One woman who was the leader of the NUS at the time of the 2015 vote admitted that using jazz hands was odd at first, but that she eventually came to appreciate it. With the jazz hands trend apparently spreading throughout the UK, it's everywhere in the UK now, university system, we think it's important that readers become educated on the proper technique because if you don't do it right, you're a racist. So here's how we do it. Do it like this. Don't do it like that or don't do it like it. you got to do it just like this or something, right? got to learn to do your jazz hands. Yeah. Mail online. My license to kill off Bond girls label says 007 author Anthony Horowitz as phrase offends modern sensibilities. In other words, the term Bond girls is offensive, and so they can no longer use it. While traveling the world with a license to kill, James Bond often finds himself in the arms of beautiful women. I don't even like that they say that here. I'm offended by them calling them beautiful. (laughs) Ursula Andress? But we should no longer call them Bond girls, as people now find the term offensive. He said the phrase offends modern sensibilities, adding, I'm still struggling to find another word for Bond girls. I think you can't use it in the 21st century. Well, you know, you got the Bond LGBT crew. I mean, whatever. That doesn't seem to offend anybody. But Bond girls, that offends people. None of this is mind control. None of this is mind control. Absolutely. From our other category, Washington Examiner. I love this. Republican Senator John Kennedy seeks to prohibit federal contracts to banks that cut off gun makers. I am absolutely one. He's going to submit this and it will go through if it gets through in time. I hope he does. Senator Kennedy, a Republican from Louisiana, introduced legislation to prohibit federal contracts with banks that end business with other lawful businesses over social policy. That's not just guns, but social policy. You're not going to deal with these things, then we're not going to have any contracts with you. That'll put an end to this nonsense. Okay? This is why it's important that Christians get out and vote. Because if we do, we may retain the House and the Senate, and if we do, we will be able to get this type of legislation through. If not, throw your rights away. Go ahead. It says, um, 
The topic became a hot-button issue last spring when the Bank of America and Citigroup announced that they would end banking relationships with gun manufacturers or retailers that sold certain semi-automatic weapons similar to the ones used in mass shooting of civilians. They are setting social policy by what they're doing. Okay. The L.A. Republican argued that since banks receive certain benefits from the federal government, including but not limited to 2008's bailout of the financial industry, the federal government shouldn't contract with banks that take a position on flashpoint social issues. All right. Then especially when they stand against the Constitution of the United States of America, which grants us, it gives us the right to bear arms. Un what is it? Uh, shall not be infringed upon. Okay? And yet these banks are doing these things. This next article following along on the same suit completely, completely surprised me. Wells Fargo, real liberal. They're based out of uh, San Francisco. Listen to this. Bloomberg, Wells Fargo, the NRA's bank, doubles down on the gun industry. Wells Fargo and company is doubling down on the gun industry, undaunted by criticism of its deep ties to firearm companies and the NRA. They're actually supporting this. It's amazing. The San Francisco-based bank last week issued a $40 million line of credit to gun manufacturer Sturm, Ruger, and company, according to financial filings. Hey, Wells Fargo wants schools and communities to be safe from the gun violence. They are saying that this is what keeps them safe. But changes to laws and regulations should be determined through a legislative process that gives the American public an opportunity to participate and not be arbitrarily set by a bank, it said. That completely surprised me. I never would have thought that from Wells Fargo. Good job, Wells Fargo. Zero Hedge. Brazil considers scaling back its gun control. It has not worked. It never works. Brazil features some of the most violent cities on the planet. It had approximately 45,000 firearm homicides in 2014. That's more than America for sure, yeah. Even with a tough government response, there appears to be no end in sight to Brazil's crime problems. Between 1992 and 2002, it passed a total of 18 gun control regulations and laws. Well, it didn't help anything, it made it worse. Despite numerous gun control regulations already on the books, crime has continued to rise. No kidding. For a law-abiding Brazilian, getting a gun is no walk in the park. If passed, gun reform would bring much-needed sanity to Brazil's political scene. Brazilian citizens would then have a tool of empowerment in times where corruption and violence are the order of the day. If Brazil is able to move in a pro-gun direction, it will serve as a beacon of hope for Latin American region that is wedded to gun control. And they got all kinds of gun problems down there. Honduras, the worst in the world, I believe. And I, I said that that was worse than America. I believe it is. I don't know that for certain, but I think it is. Um, let's see here from Deutsche Welle. Didn't work in one country. They're trying it in a second. Now they're going to try it in a third. Namibia's president wants to expropriate land from whites. Namibian President Hagi Gengab, I guess, said he will push forward with expropriating land and redistributing it to majority black populations in the country. We also share a burning land issue and a radicalized distribution of land resources with South Africa. This comes from a common history of colonial dispossession. What we also agree to is that the status quo will not be allowed to continue. The Namibian government is hoping to transfer nearly one half of its arable agricultural land to disadvantaged blacks in the country. Now, that's noble, but guess what? They have no education. They have no resources. They have no ability to work the land. And what happened in Zimbabwe is what is going to happen here as well. Okay? He said the government would look at constitutional provisions which allow for expropriation of land with just compensation as opposed to fair compensation and look at foreign ownership of the land, especially absentee landowners. Two former presidents at the conference said the government should only pay for things like equipment on the farmland and not the land. So there you go. That's the state of things in Namibia. I can't pronounce that word, Namibia, right now. Okay, four articles on the same subject. They all happen this week. I don't know what the final status will be, and that's why I'm giving you just a, a broad brushstroke of this Situation Zero Hedge, Sears, preparing to file bankruptcy as soon as this week. Zero Hedge, Sears, creditors push for bankruptcy liquidation as vendors no longer pay. They want to have it liquidated and they get their money out of the stores. 
Zero Hedge, with 90,000 jobs at stake, bankrupt Sears may shut as many as 400 stores. And for Mail Online, Sears to close 150 stores with the company likely to file bankruptcy in days as $134 million debt repayment becomes due. We'll see where it goes in the week ahead. ABC 13. Last week we reported on something that had nothing to do with prophecy. Does anybody remember the subject? Roof, roof. Anybody? Dogs, yes. Okay, I have from the same source another article on the same subject. Who's smarter, dogs or cats? One study says it has the answer. Well, I will tell you that the dog and cat is probably smarter than the person because the dog isn't a who, it's a what or a which. Which is smarter, dogs or cats, would be the appropriate. So the person that wrote this article, anyway, here we go. Anybody got a, let's just see without saying anything, how many think that cats are smarter than dogs? One hand is up. Dogs more than cats? Still, I, I see two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, we've got quite a few people that are saying that dogs are smarter. We'll see if you're right. Dogs might chew your shoes, dig holes in your backyard, my wife is laughing, or even pee on the rug. I woke up this morning, I walked into the kitchen, and the first thing I did was step into Pishnai's pee. That was the first thing. And you know, his name means double portion, Pishnai. Well, he gave me a double portion, right? So, yeah, anyway, um, so this is true here. They're smart. Uh, it says they dig holes in your backyard or even pee on the rug. He didn't. He peed on the uh, tile. But scientists say they are smarter than cats. I knew this all along. Researchers at Vanderbilt decided to put the age-old debate to the test objectively, studying the number of cortical neurons in the brains of a number of animals. Before I go on, I am going to post a picture of the dog I bragged about last week, Blessing. She'll be somewhere on this update. She'll be in my lap. She's a little brown dog. I, she's part chihuahua, but she's very little of that. She's something, but she is something. Anyway, scientists have associated the neuron density with overall cognitive ability. In other words, intelligence. The results? Canines had a significantly higher number than felines. Dogs have about 530 million cortical neurons. Cats have less than half that. <laughs> Coming in at 230 million. A golden retriever that was studied had the most cortical neurons of all at 627 million cortical neurons. For a comparison, for a comparison, humans have... 16 billion cortical neurons. It is the most complex organism in the universe. They say the human brain is more complex than the structure of the universe itself. God designed man. God breathed the breath of life into man, and he made us for a special purpose, and all we do is waste it. We waste our brains. We walk away from the Lord. We turn from him. Before we go on, I'm going to tell you that there is one way to be reconciled to the God who created this marvelous organism, and that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. He went into the grave after dying for your sins. He came out of the grave proving that he had no sins of his own, and in the process, your sin was washed away by his precious blood. If you have not called on Jesus because you watch too many prophecy updates, I would hope that today you would call on Jesus and then start getting theology, proper theology in your life. It is the most important thing you can do. You are all, every person here is going to go before the Lord for judgment. Some that are not saved will go to the great white throne judgment. That's coming at the end of days. But for the believers in Jesus Christ, if you've accepted Christ, you are going to go for the judgment seat of Christ. It's not for condemnation and salvation. It is for rewards and losses. And you will be given zero rewards for sitting watching Prophecy Updates. Zero. I want you to know that right now. You will get no rewards for that. You will get rewards for what you do for the Lord in faith. That is where your rewards will come from. Anything you do, if you give money to somebody and you don't do it in faith, you will get no reward for that. Bill Gates has given away billions and billions of dollars to AIDS research, and he gets zero rewards. If he ever gets saved, he will get no rewards for all that he did because he didn't do it in faith. All right? It only starts when you become a believer in Christ, and you will be judged for what you do. Every prophecy update that you do is, it's fine. Watch the superior word prophecy update because you're going to learn things about the world, but then take that and apply it somewhere important. 
Don't just sit and watch another 45 Prophecy Updates. Read your Bible, watch sermons, attend church if you have one, fellowship with believers, do everything in faith. If you talk to the Lord while you're working, like I do all day, I mean, people must think I'm crazy, but well, they used to think that, now they think they got something in your ear and you're talking to somebody. I'm talking to the Lord, right? But when you talk to the Lord, you are doing so in faith that he's there listening, right? You will be given a reward for that. If you do something in faith, you will receive your reward. Darla, it is wonderful to see you walk in this door. It is so good. To, we just had somebody that hasn't been in this church because of a physical disability for months. It is so wonderful to see you. God bless you. Okay, let's go on. Mail online. Wind farms. Guess what they can do? Well, they kill birds, but they do more. Wind farms could cause global warming by heating up the planet's surface and taking up huge amounts of space. First, you cut down all the trees for the wind farms and it heats up the earth. But listen to this. U.S. would warm 0.43 degrees Fahrenheit if the number of turbines were increased dramatically. Gusts created by turbines will mix the normal layers of warm and cool air. This would change the atmosphere in a way that would make the surface toastier. Once again, man interfering with what God has done. We had our fifth anniversary yesterday at the Superior Ward. Does anybody know what else had an anniversary yesterday in American history? The Navy turns 243 years old on 13 October of 1775. My salute to anybody that served in the United States Navy. Happy birthday. Got a lesser for you. You must give you Manchester a hand. They have made clapping majorly banned. <laughs> to give them disease, greater audible ease, make a note, all is going as planned. Good job. Okay, got an irony for the week. I entitled this uh, Checking Out. But before I give that, I want to remind you to watch the Sergio and Rhoda video, okay? It's a great video, and it will confirm just what we talked about in the Prophecy Update today, okay? This is entitled Checking Out. Mail online, Indian professor dies during live TV broadcast shortly after saying that she wanted to die while working. Right there, right on TV, punched her ticket. Mail online. This is just so wonderful. I actually cried when I read this and, and looked at the article. Uh, you're only going to get the title. It really is wonderful. Surfer collapses on a beach with a heart attack during first date and is saved by his doctor sweetheart, who kisses him for the first time when she performs CPR. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.